Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Hey, today's episode is brought to you by 100 times 2030. 100 times 2030 is an initiative that inspires inclusive leadership in healthcare with a specific focus on moving the needle by sponsoring 100 women of color within the next decade. I am proud of Jamie Tynan, who's leading this effort, and she is a special guest on our show today, upcoming on the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Pharmacy Podcast Nation, who is your hero in life? Think about that. Who is someone in your life that has made an impression to you? Someone who has not only been a hero to you, but who has helped to shift your mind from thinking from one way to another based on their influence. I actually have a barber that I've been using now for about a year. And his name is uh, Darnell Samuels. And he's part of our community here in the little town of Brownsville, Pennsylvania. Brownsville, Pennsylvania is about 60 miles south of Pittsburgh. And it's a community on the rise. Um, It was uh, desolate uh, because of the steel industry leaving it in the 70s. And through the 80s and 90s and halfway through the 2000s, um, Brownsville was just a... It was a wreck. It was just a not a not a good place uh, to 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 be in a community. But now, Brownsville, Pennsylvania, is on the rise, and uh, Darnell uh, has taught me a lot about um, what it's like to be a small business owner, uh, a Black American, a veteran, and because of that, it's made me think: What can I do with the Pharmacy Podcast Network? reaching 80,000 plus listeners uh, per 30 days in, in, in 
being an advocate for pharmacists, but also being an advocate for healthcare leaders who are passionate about changing um, what we're all being a part of. And some of us wanted to ignore it. Some of us want to pretend it's not here, but race issues it is part of healthcare. Um, and, and, it, and it cannot be avoided any longer. So therefore, Pharmacy Podcast Network is going to be committed to bringing us a transformative um, uh, nation, the Transforming a Nation series, the Healthcare Leaders series. And we're going to be kicking this off today with special guest, so Jamie Tynan, um, who is on Shift.Health's Board of Advisors, along with myself. She's a board-certified healthcare strategist and the Assistant Vice President of Integration for Atrium Health. Um, I just absolutely love what Jamie's doing. She's also going to be helping 100 women of color over the next five to 10 years to reach their business goals in executive leadership. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast, Jamie. Thank you for having me. We also have no stranger to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. Uh, Dr. William Amarque is known as Gata PharmD. He has an amazing YouTube channel. We will have links for his YouTube channel in the show notes. Uh, William, welcome back to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thank you uh, so much, Todd, for having me back on. Absolutely. So there was an article in the Wall Street Journal it was titled, Racism in Care Leads to Health Disparities, Doctors and Other Experts Say as They Push for Change. This was written by Tanya Russell, and it really goes through um, some of the protests that's going on, the, uh, the murder of uh, George Floyd, uh, really as a stage setter for the article, and some reference to New England Journal of Medicine. And there was an editorial uh, input Quote, this says, slavery has produced a legacy of racism, injustice, and brutality that runs from 1619 to present. And that legacy infects medicine as it does all social institutions. Now, Jamie, that's a powerful statement. Um, I want you to just, as someone who has been a healthcare professional, someone who has been an advocate for, um, for race relations between uh, probably different departments that you've been experienced in, I just want to set the stage to let the listeners learn a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you started the podcast with, you know, who is your hero? Um, and the reason why that question is important in this discussion and in my response is um, my mother is actually my hero and the reason why I got into healthcare. When I think about what's happening today um, and how the environment would have affected her as a patient, it is very alarming um, the amount of healthcare disparities that there are in care. And so my mother passed away about nine years ago. She had uh, type two diabetes. She had her first heart attack when she was 50 years old and she was clinically depressed for many years. So when we talk about the environment we are in today with COVID-19, I mean, she would have been very susceptible to uh, that disease and, and all the manifestations of that. Um, but she had the best relationships possible with her pharmacist. And she relied on her pharmacist uh, very specifically for not just education on medication and how she should take it, but nutrition, um, daily, daily life, how she should be exercising, 
how she should be incorporating healthy habits. She had a better relationship with her pharmacist than she had her actual physician. Um, and how important it is for people of color to be educated on how they can live healthy lives. Um, and so the, the role of the pharmacist, I think, is, is very important, especially in these times and especially for communities of color. Um, and what I see is that when we talk about healthcare disparities and we talk about the lack of leadership and being able to close some of those health disparities, I attribute that to uh, opportunities for diversity at the table where decisions about expanding healthcare services happen. And wanting to see more diverse voices and bringing up the unique challenges that communities of color face with their healthcare. Um, so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do about sponsoring 100 women of color, because I think we need more voices, more diverse voices in that conversation to truly help how we look about healthcare and strategically how we expand services, high quality services to communities that need it the most. William, you are a clinical pharmacist at a regional hospital. Um, you're seeing the impact of COVID-19 every day. And I've said prayers for you um, after seeing tweets about some of the experiences that you've had, especially some of the stress on the hospital um, during the uptick in cases. Um, please share with our, our listeners some of the background, especially the story that you've told us before about your uh, brother's experience when, when he was in need of healthcare. Yeah, um, piggybacking off of what Jamie was saying, I, I agree with everything um, that she uh, just stated. And, um, you know, with me personally, um, as we were talking about heroes, you know, my dad, uh, my parents in general are, are my biggest heroes, you know, especially my dad, you know, coming here from another country and surviving the, the hardships that he had to survive and, you know, my, my mom and dad, and then watching him uh, become a pharmacist as well. Um, he's one of the big, biggest reasons why I became a healthcare provider, why I, you know, became a pharmacist. And, you know, watching him be a pharmacist and, and provide healthcare for his community, it really showed me how integral, um, you know, pharmacists can be in the community because, you know, you, you drive down a block and you, you see, you know, Walgreens or CVS on every corner. And, you know, it watching him and, and his patients, you know, loved him. And it just showed me that, you know, pharmacists can do so much more for the community. And we are, um, some of the most accessible healthcare providers around and uh, we can really make a difference and you know bringing it back to this topic of, of racism and, and racial injustice especially uh, in the in the medical field um, you know pharmacists are equipped and, and 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 we can provide so much education and we can do so much uh, great work uh, for the community and um, as we were saying before um, you know, my, my brother, you know, has a genetic uh, disease called sickle cell disease. And it, it's a very painful, excruciating uh, disease. And, you know, growing up watching him and, you know, our whole family, you know, watching him, you know, go through that and endure that um, really opened my eyes as far as the disparities and the, um, 
the the treatment that that people, um, especially minorities with with painful conditions, experience um, in the hospital, and, and also some experiences I've had, you know, in outpatient pharmacies as well. So, I think that you know certain things that my brother has had to go through has really shaped and molded my um, passion for for this topic, and also. Um, you know, just minority representation, and as Jamie was saying, you know, diversity. Um, a lot of the disparities that we see are, are, you know, at the provider level. So that's why I'm, I'm very passionate about um, having uh, minority representation, not only in medicine, but, but in, in pharmacy as well. So, um, you know, all these things that have happened in my life has, you know, shaped me into the healthcare provider that I am. And you know, as a healthcare provider, I have to provide healthcare to to everyone. It doesn't matter, you know, what what ethnic background you're from. And I think that as pharmacists, we can really help with this discussion when we're talking about you know racism in in, in healthcare. So I I shared with with Jamie and with William before we started um, about how I've matured and that I don't allow my anger to come out on Facebook or Twitter like it used to. And I've, I've calmed down. As a matter of fact, I did a grand audit of my Facebook um, about a year ago where I went back uh, three, four, five years and started deleting stuff because as, I think we, as we allow ourselves to grow as, as people that, that want to have empathy and want to have understanding, but based on my anger against racism because of my own uh, children and children's friends experience in my own life um, I I tend to focus on the non 10% of our nation who I really have a belief that are racist uh, that 10% bleeds into law enforcement that 10% bleeds into uh, judicial deciding policies and judges and, and lawyers and, and really anyone that's a human being. I, I, I think it's there and I think hiding from it as I was guilty of doing years ago is not the way to face it. And the, the non 10%, the 90% is also mixed in with people who still don't understand that it is an issue that is causing um, problems uh, in, in delivering healthcare specifically. And then we have the eye rollers, and the eye rollers are the ones who read the article that uh, was very well done, which we'll have in the show notes by Tanya Russell. And when they le read the headlines, a racism in care leads to health disparities, doctors and other experts say as they push for change. Jamie, What's up with an eye roller? Like, how do we help the eye rollers? And those are people that aren't, they're not racist in their heart, but they, they're, they're rolling their eyes because they're just like, oh God, here we go again. You know, racism, blah, 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 blah. So how do we take those people? How do we take that group? And how are we gentle without my old, <laughs> my old ways of dealing with it? Um, the new way of dealing with it through empathy, understanding, education. But how do we, how do we battle that? That's a, that's a very uh, uh, candid but interesting question, uh, Todd. I appreciate you even asking that. I, um, I when I when I heard you describe this, I think one of the things that's really important to 
understand is that sometimes, you know, as someone who is a big advocate for diversity, you can be ahead of the curve, far ahead than other people that are in your network. And I truly believe that um, in order to get the eye rollers to come along and be part of that journey, I think you also have to be willing to give some tough love to them. I'll be very candid. I think um, being too gentle takes away the accountability of eye rollers or people who just don't believe that racism exists. Uh, it takes accountability away from them to learn. And that's something that has always been a part of my life. And I believe in order to fight racism in this country, whether it's in healthcare, or other industries, or in your daily life, it truly begins at the dinner table at home. Um, and you have to be willing to have the conversations about race at your dinner table and educate yourselves on that. Um, I believe self-education is really important. Um, and I remember when um, the George, George Floyd murders happened um, and people were reaching out to me, people in my network were reaching out and saying, you know, I want to learn more about racism and how to combat that. Can you teach me? And I remember feeling a little uh, taken aback by that because I think a lot of uh, advocates of diversity, whether you're a person of color or an ally, are probably, you know, fatigued from having to educate and not have people listen. And I usually tell people, you know, you need to seek it out. You need to seek out self-education. There's lots of books written about how to be an anti-racist. There's articles written to educate yourselves. You have to come to the table with an open heart and an open mind. So I generally come from the perspective of absolutely lead, you know, leading with empathy and kindness to help others be educated, but not being afraid to push people a little bit and encourage them to educate themselves and be willing to start in your home with understanding racism and how you can be um, anti-racist. So that's what I would offer up for that. I appreciate that, Jamie. Uh, William, here's the scenario. You're in the break room in the hospital, you're talking to a fellow colleague and they bring up an article that they read. And maybe it's this article, maybe it's racism in, in care leads to health disparities. And as they're talking about this, you look over at the coffee dispenser and there's a, there's a doctor standing there, a guy standing there. And sure enough, he rolls his eyes because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, this is this is being discussed again, or rah, 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 whatever. <laughs> How does that make you feel? What do you what do you think of the of the eye roller? Um, I think what Jamie was saying, piggybacking off of what she said, um, leading with empathy and compassion, and 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 educating uh, education. I'm, I'm I'm a big advocate for education, and it's it, it can get frustrating at times, but. You know, I have to understand, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to people and I've come across people who are, um, who are, you know, the eye rollers and, and who some of, some of these eye rollers, they're truly um, ignorant as far as things that have happened. Like they may not know about these specific disparities and stuff that, that we discuss. So I think that opening up people's minds start with um, educating them about things that are happening. Because, you know, e even though some people may not you know, see it or they, they may not think that it's happening. I think that um, we have to have that, you know, discussion. And, and a lot of people find this discussion uncomfortable um, when, when talking about, you know, uh, racism and, and racial injustice that happens, especially in the medical field. 
a lot of people find this uh, discussion very um, taboo or that they don't want to discuss it or it's just like you were saying, oh, here we go again. But, you know, with any topic, I think that we have to tackle it head on and we have to really, you know, tell people that, you know, this is what is happening and we, we can't ignore it. We can't sweep it under the rug and we, we have to deal with it because when, when, we're, when we're talking about um, this topic, we're, 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 especially in the medical field, we're dealing with life or death situations here. Yes. So yes. This, this, is, this is not something that is, we, we can sweep under the rug. This is a very serious topic. And when, when we're discussing this with people, we, we have to discuss it like that. We have to talk about how this is important and how um, really, especially in, in the health field, we're talking about people's lives here. So um, I think breaking it down like that and, and really um, you know, teaching people that this, this topic is really of importance, especially as, as a provider, because you're, you're dealing with people's lives. So I, I think that's one of the ways I, I would break it down to someone, you know, a, a fellow provider or a fellow colleague. You know? So I, I think those are some of the ways I would um, discuss it. Did either of you see the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood? Yes, I did. William, that, that no. based on Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers. Yeah. So when, when I watched that, um, you know, I... I had expectations because I really thought it was going to be a little bit more about um, about Fred's life because he was a hero of mine. I'm from Pittsburgh, so he's a Pittsburgh guy. So he grew up in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and then him and his wife spent uh, a bunch of their, their time uh, before he passed away in Pittsburgh with WQED, and 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 he was he was a one of a kind guy. The way that he would take an issue and and i remember the the reporter and i can't remember that gentleman's name that was featured but he would say um you know you really talk about some dark issues and mr rogers said yeah that's that's what children are going through they're going through dark issues every day and when i think of what people go through in life just in general without racism on top of it without a sickness or chronic disease on top of it without the stress of finances on top of it, and we start to comp compound what someone is going through, I immediately kind of think, you know, how would Mr. Rogers handle this in trying to be descriptive, gentle, empathetic, but sincere? And he was one of the first people in my life as, as a young boy that had a, uh, a black man on his program as they put their feet in a pool of water. And I think he was a mailman or a delivery man. And they sat there and they just talked about their day and blah, blah, blah. And he had his, you know, and it was a representation of Fred's stance against racism without it being the way that I was, which was combative. Like I always wanted to jump in and fight. And Fred wasn't like that. He was, hey, he, he used his gentle spirit and he used his antidotes and he used his poems and and his songs and his puppets and and i was like wow like talk about approaching like approaching this issue specifically like we need more fred rogers basically is what we need but i'm listening to you to you william and i'm thinking the intensity of this this pandemic on top of the shoulders of healthcare providers 
uh, watching their patients suffer. And then we turn around and we have an eye roller in the room or we have um, a benefits coordination issue or we have, you know, fill in the blank, you know better than I do. But that's what I'm saying today. As you're listening to this podcast, I want, I want you, you may be an eye roller and there's nothing wrong. I, I, I understand eye rolling. I understand the variance of it. You're almost like, is this just another excuse? Is this just another way for us to um, say why you're not CEO of a company? I think of your initiative, Jamie, of of women of color in leadership and healthcare positions. And, and I, I immediately take that other side of, of another viewpoint of saying, um, oh, you know, just because you're a black woman, uh, you, you have to have a seat at the executive table. And, and then I start thinking, well, what's really the barriers to even get to that CEO or that vice president level in the world of healthcare um, uh, capitalism, number one. Number two, being a woman. Number three, being a woman of color. Number four, you're a mom on top of that. Like, how do you grow your career? Like, I could keep layering it and, it and it starts making my shoulders feel heavy. But that's something that I want to uncover in this series. I don't want to shy from it. I don't want to, I want to hit it right between the eyes. But I, I also want to take a lesson from Fred and, and do it with, with empathy and understanding. Absolutely. And um, I just wanted to jump in and tell you that uh, Fred Rogers is one of my favorite people. I grew up watching Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I remember that episode. And uh, what, what, he, what he does so well is he's very disarming. And I think that when you're, when you're putting on a program for children and you're trying to tackle big issues like racism, uh, abuse, um, bullying, name anything that you want, um, he, he puts it in terms that a child can understand. And I think that's what we need to do is we need to be able to, to communicate in terms that people will understand. Um, and we need to make it relatable and we need to make it simple so people can embody or understand those challenges that people face, um, whether it's you're being a woman of color trying to progress in your career or you're a, a patient, a patient of color, and you're not you know, prescribed the same pain medication because your physician doesn't believe that you're in pain. Whatever those you know, unique challenges are for people of color, we have to be able to communicate it in terms that others can understand and hold people accountable. And I loved how Fred was able to, again, uh, break things down into a child's brain. Um, and there's always that saying, um, you know, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. He did that very well. And I think even adults would benefit from being, from, you know, explaining things like you're a five-year-old so that you can under, you can really appreciate differences of opinion and different lived experiences. Absolutely. Were you a, um, a Mr. Rogers watcher, uh, William? Yeah, I think everyone was. He was, uh... <laughs> That, that show brings up, you know, a lot of memories, especially just what everyone has been talking about, just the way he was able to communicate and 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 give information, you know, to, to children. And I think that the his compassion and, and his empathy, I think, you know, we can, you know, emulate that, especially when when discussing this this hard uh, topic. Um, so, yeah, I think it was. Uh, 
the way he uh, communicated was, was something that uh, people definitely could uh, can follow. So before we wrap up, I want to challenge the listeners to do something different this coming week than you've ever done in your life when it comes to uh, being empathetic for someone else that has something to do with their race, with them, with, with them being a, a woman, with them being a man, with them being uh, black, with them being um, Latino, whatever it is, I want you to think about that and internalize it as to if you were that person, um, how would you want to be treated? How would you want a healthcare provider to treat you? Um, Jamie, can you give our listeners um, two or three um, bullets uh, to challenge them based on some of the references or materials that you've developed over the years? Sure. I would, you know, I love the call to action. I think it's really important on this topic. Uh, and I will reiterate a, a call of a call to action that I've told some of my peers in the last, you know, 60 days. Um, there is a lot of literature out there right now around uh, understanding systemic and institutionalized racism. Um, a couple of uh, books that, that come to mind, there's one called White Supremacy and Me. Uh, there's another one called How to Be an Anti-Racist. There's one that I really love by Ijeoma Aluo called So You Want to Talk About Race. And, and I think whether you read those three books or you choose other books to read, I think having diversity perspective and, and reading about lived experiences of black and brown people is really important to provide a foundation on understanding. So that's number one. Number two, um, going back to the topic around communication, I think having courageous conversations with someone that doesn't look like you on this topic um, is absolutely paramount. I, I remember when I started my first job and they tell you that race and religion and politics were absolutely taboo uh, in the professional settings. And I think we're starting to peel that back a little bit and say, we can't progress as people if we say that race is not something you can discuss. So I would say, you know, have that courageous conversation with someone that doesn't look like you, actively listen, accept their lived experience and be empathetic in that regard. Um, and then number three, don't be an eye roller, right? Um, if, you, if you feel that you don't quite understand, um, again, the lived experiences of black and brown people, um, you need to resolve that within yourself and I think what you also need to do is treat learning about racism as learning about anything else that you've been curious about in your life, right? If you wanted to look up, um, you know, your favorite topic and you Google it, um, treat racism the same way. You should be actively seeking to combat your biases um, and make sure that you are not feeding into what you might have learned either through your home life, through your networks, through school, um, really challenge your biases so that you don't fall to the traps of racism. So those would be the three things I would offer up. Thank you, Jamie. That was, that was awesome. Um, if you would send me links to um, the titles, or at least the titles of the, those books, I'll make sure that we put those in the show notes as well. Um, William, I would like you to share with the listeners, especially as a health system hospital pharmacist some of your ideas to um to slowly disintegrate 
uh, racism, either supporting uh, people that are going through something or, um, or directly um, with, with the combating the eye rollers? Yeah, um, I think with healthcare providers, I think the, the biggest thing is remembering the vows you took to be a healthcare provider. Remembering that oath that you took, whether you know, you're a physician, whether you're a pharmacist, you know, what, whatever profession you got into, we took oaths you know, when we became a healthcare provider, right? So, you know, remembering that oath you took, remembering that, you know, you're going to help um, your patients, no matter what background they come from, uh, no matter what ethnic background they come from, and, and remembering that oath you took, because as I stated earlier, you know, we're dealing with life or death situations. And I think when it comes to, um, you know, racial um, injustices that happen um, in the medical system, I really think that, um, you know, understanding um, your patients and, and not believing, um, as Jamie was saying, you know, certain biases that um, providers have, um, you know, educating yourself and, and not believing, you know, false notions of your patients. And I think that's one of the biggest things that can prevent um, a provider from adequately treating their patient um, is you, you have to listen to your patient. I mean, especially in when, when dealing with pain, you have, you know, patients who are screaming out, you know, I'm in pain and the provider is not, you know, um, listening or, or believing. So I think the, the first thing really is to educate yourself on, on the patient, understand the patient, understand where they're coming from. As we talked about with, you know, Fred Rogers being empathetic and compassionate and, um, you know, just going back to, to what was said, just listening and um, you know, talking to other people, people of other backgrounds, just to understand the experiences that they've had, because it really, you know, understanding what people have gone through, you know, can really open up your eyes because it, it's things that you may not have seen or may not have heard or, or, or known that that's happening. But you know, understanding what other people have experienced, what other people have gone through, I think can can really open up a great dialogue uh, between people. And, um, you know, as providers, it, it, it's our job and it's our duty to um, help patients. So really understanding why we got into it in the first place. Um, and I think that, that that could be the first step in, in really, um, you know, providers understanding, you know, how to really take care of their patients. Absolutely. Um, I want to thank both of you of helping uh, the Pharmacy Podcast Nation to launch uh, this uh, theme and the importance of this theme, Transforming a Nation Healthcare Leaders Series. You two are healthcare leaders. Um, so proud to, um, to even have you on the network. Um, William, I'm a, a fan of, of that YouTube channel that you have. Please keep that going. Um, thank but you. This is a open invitation to both of you if you ever have something that you'd like to chime in directly or indirectly um, please reach out and, and stay in touch but I want to thank you Jamie for being a guest the first time on the pharmacy podcast it's not going to be your last I hope and um, and absolutely advocate for what you're doing with 100 women of color over the next 10 years that is a that is a commitment but it's possible I'm looking back on my 11 years of of podcasting and it's a universe away from where it was um, 11 years ago. 
I wanted to thank the listeners. Um, there's always um, opportunities for you in healthcare to make a difference. You already are making a difference. You are my favorite healthcare professional. Uh, the pharmacist, in my opinion, in my belief, is the hub of healthcare of what's happening in the space and what's needed. Uh, you're trusted uh, and, and you're loved. Um, I, I want to continue to advocate for pharmacists and we're hoping that the Pharmacy Podcast Network is, is doing our part in doing that. Uh, please stay tuned for further podcasts in the subject of racism. If you are listening right now and you'd like to participate, please reach out to us. We can be found on almost all the social media platforms at Pharmacy Podcast, or you can call us directly at 412-585-4001. That's 412-585-4001. William, Jamie, I thank you for, for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling you're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling. The feeling you know that I'll be back. When the day is new And I'll have more ideas for you And you'll have things you'll want to talk about I will too You always make each day such a special day You know how By just your being you There's only one person in the whole world exactly like you and that's you yourself. And people can like you exactly as you are. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that we're friends.